0: My name is Michelle Marguerite Marquez. I was born in Scotland and I now live in Barbados. This is a podcast for purpose-driven top performers. You see, I've coached some of the most successful, fascinating and talented people in the world. I have an innate ability to see the potential that most cannot see for themselves. My intuition tells me when to challenge people's thinking and when I've found the fertile ground underneath. I ask the kind of questions most wouldn't ask. I say the kind of things that most people wouldn't dare and nothing is off limits. I'm really good at sniffing out what my clients try to hide, and I don't stop until we get deep. I coach around thinking. We have a real conversation. You think one way. I bring expansiveness. New thinking happens and suddenly your whole world changes in an instant. This podcast is called The Undeniable Leader because high-level thinking creates undeniable leaders and that changes everything. So, Maria, let me ask you a question before we start. What would make this an absolutely extraordinary conversation for you? If we
1: were to have, you know, I don't know this expression, no bars held, no holds barred, no no, something
0: about... No holds barred, nothing headed, nothing held back, right? Great. Okay, that's wonderful. Thank you for that permission. What miracle could you, you know, would you need to have to walk away from this conversation with the most impact?
1: To truly. Are you ready to go really deep, Michelle?
0: I'm ready to go as deep as you're ready to go.
1: (laughs) Okay, to truly and thoroughly understand how and why savagely bad things happen in the world that I can't quite get my head around.
0: Okay. Wow. You're giving me a, you're giving me a real tough one there, aren't you, Maria? I think you got it.
1: I really do. I really do believe that you do. Cause there's, I know that you told me a bit about your story and you've had to reframe a lot of shit in your life. So I feel like this is the place and I'm feeling called to
0: ask you that question. So. Thank you, darling. So, we touched on, when we spoke the other day, we touched a bit on your mission. And I know you have a real huge, massive mission. And that forms part of that question, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So let me ask you this. What is your, your first kind of memories from round about six years of age? What do you remember being fascinated by? Was there any game that you liked to play all the time? Was there, was there something that you know just fascinated you about the world? So, my
1: memories are a little bit blurry. I've done quite a lot of like blacking out from when I was growing up, um, but like the the kind of like when I was six. <laughs> Playing on the train tracks, <laughs> playing outside in Paisley. You know, there's like the—I um, don't know if you know this—like a big train track that goes. As soon through as you said
0: that, I knew exactly what you meant. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Yay! So um, that was something. Um, just like playing outside was like a big thing. Being on my bike. Um, being adventurous, I guess you could kind of like summarize it. Is like super being adventurous, going to places that no one would go, or at least we thought no one would go. Yeah,
0: yeah <laughs> I get it. Yeah. So tell me a bit about as as you pass by six. I'm guessing like six, seven, eight years, nine years. You were still kind of fascinated about playing outside and roaming and being adventurous.
1: Yes, and 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 horses as well.
0: Horses. Oh my God, we have more in common than I knew. I love horses as well. Okay. Um, and then something changed for you, right? It it changed
1: at seven and and at six. We we were we had to leave the country um, of Scotland because my mum got into some trouble with some drug dealers and they wanted... They put post-it notes all over our car to say that if we didn't pay money, then we were going to die. That was not my mum. That was... They were saying that I'm going to kill your kids if you don't pay this money. So we legitimately had to, I remember it sort of vague little bits of it of like having to pick up our shit and just go like what you have on you. That's what you're going to get. Like (laughs) this is it. And, and from that point onwards, it was just, you know, kind of disaster after disaster. Um, you know, we, we moved down into England with a pedophile and it, came about a year after he was living with us what he was doing um so yeah it it was just kind of shit after shit after shit you know it wasn't it wasn't a easy simple upbringing at all in the slightest it was big moments considerable big considerable Really Big moments. <laughs> so and and that that is I laugh because I just don't want people to feel uncomfortable because I know how shitty it is. Like I know that it's not great. So I'm like, ha, ha, let's laugh it off. But it's not funny. It wasn't funny to deal with at all.
0: No, it's not funny. And humor actually is a is a big defense towards things that we're uncomfortable with. We all all of us strong people, I know that I certainly use humor and sarcasm. It's a great Scottish trait, isn't it? Sarcasm. Great with <laughs> it, yeah, to sustain ring. everything. A. Yeah, yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. The one thing that's to be said about a Scottish woman is her
0: resilience. Yeah, we're born with it in our DNA. But, you know, the, those circumstances that you went through... When you say those kind of words like, oh, we had to just get up and leave with our shit. There was, you know, notes left on the car. That's very real. That was a very real culture in Glasgow. In fact, today, it's still a very real culture. But back then it was, it was severe. Yeah,
1: so it,
0: it was, it, it, I know for a fact it was no joke.
1: Yeah, so, there was one guy there. Had guns pointed to my stepdad's head. He wasn't my stepdad at the time, but he was going out with my mum, and they came to his place. And you know, people had guns. There was snooker. Did you ever hear that fucking thing where they put snooker balls in the end of socks and fucking yeah, bash
0: them and and about and whack you with them? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that was something that, you know, we were told that was happening around us. And we luckily, we didn't see that particular thing. We didn't see the guns, but we saw the drug use. We saw the violence. We saw the gangs come around to the house. You know, all those kind of things we saw. Um, But yeah, yeah, it was real. It was very real. And even though I blacked a lot of it, like a lot of my past is very hazy, you know, some people, some people ask you, you know, what's your favorite memory as a child? And I'm just like,
0: my past, yeah, right? Pass on that one, no idea, no fucking idea. <gasps> yeah, and, and that's a common thing with trauma, especially as a younger child before the age of seven. It's, we do block it out. It, it's a, it's a very real thing because mm-hmm. the brain protects us. That's exactly the brain's job, right? It's to protect us and mm-hmm. to keep us surviving. So it's easy to block out things, especially as a child, when you don't understand it properly anyway. Because I'm sure you didn't really understand what was happening. So you said, you mentioned that there was a paedophile living with you guys. And I'm guessing that that directly affected you. Um, He directed
1: his efforts at my sister. And the only reason why I wasn't targeted is because as a eight-year-old child, my sister negotiated with him not to touch me. Wow. And he was the first of two. He wasn't given any jail time. He was charged by the police, but let go on the basis that there was not enough evidence. Um, the second one came into our lives almost straight after the first one because mum was devastated you know she was going through that moment in her life where you know she didn't want to believe it she she didn't want to s- accept that it was happening and you know one of her one of her friends at the workplace she was at actually um, introduced her to the new guy you know new guy that was going to come along and help her get through the hard times help and- her get over yeah Yeah, and you guy was predator number two. And Christina then had to go through the whole through thing all over again, tell the the man that he wasn't to touch me. It was only what he was was going to do, only going to be to her if it was going to happen at all. And now this was as a nine-year-old, just going 10. So this had happened really quickly, one after the other. And it's almost unbelievable, you know, Um, particularly difficult to sort of like comprehend how somebody could know coming into a family what they'd just been suffering with and then decide to target them again, knowing that they're actually suffering. So, but apparently that's kind of the the patterns of what paedophiles do. Apparently that's what they kind of do, you know, I've learned this now. yeah. yeah, I've learned this now as an adult. Um, that 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 that's how that happens, right? But um, you know, she she knew she had to collect evidence, and that's what she then did. And she spent years because she didn't know how much she had to do. So wow, it was. And how
0: old was she then, Marie? Um, when it ended, or. Where, no, when as it, she was, as she was making these decisions, I know you said the first one she was eight, but she was making these conscious decisions to be a protector, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, she was. Um, so the first one was when she was eight, and then the second one started at the end of her being nine to ten years old, and then it finally came to a head. I think when she was fourteen, when it she'd she'd orchestrated a moment that could not be avoided that it was happening she tried to do it a couple of times before but it hadn't worked but she'd orchestrated a moment where she'd asked mum to come home early and it hadn't happened a couple of times before and it kept not working out um for whatever reason you know um but mum actually walked in on them finally so um so she'd, she'd, she'd had to make that happen because she'd learned as a child that the police are not going to believe her and mum's not going to believe her until they see it. You know? So she
0: had the, the wherewithal and the consciousness at that early time to protect you, plan these things, be, you know, very, very, what's the, intentional about it. Wow.
1: She'd got like... she got like tissues. she got little messages. She just like collected up what she could. I don't know how much of it there was, but I know that there was stuff. And I knew it was like messages and tissues and the fact that she'd created this moment for mum to walk in on. You know, I don't know much about the rest. It's still not something that we can really talk about because she's as unwell as she is, you know. Yeah. So, yeah.
0: And I'm sure that's affected her, her whole life.
1: Yeah. Well, she's she's still in a mental hospital now. You know. So
0: I I I can see the pattern, and I can definitely see the reason why you asked me that question at the beginning of the conversation.
1: Thanks. It's um, plagued me because I fucking hate when people say everything happens for a reason. Oh, well, you tell me why that happened then. Tell me why a man attacked a seven-year-old girl. You know, tell me why in, in the universe should that be a thing that happens if everything is for a reason. You know, she's not come out the other side. She's lost her life because of Two people's actions against it, you know. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know that phrase, and I and I personally use it as a model myself. Everything in life happens for you, not to you. But it's mm. it's really difficult to put that phrase in place when we're talking about this situation. We can use that happily when we've come through things and we've survived, as people like to use that word, survived. Mm-hmm. Um, but when that person has had a lifelong trauma that they've never recovered for, from mm-hmm. it, it, I can see how that's very difficult to stomach. That
1: yeah, it's hard. And I, doing what I do when I coach people, you know, like it's all about finding that mantra of silver lining, right? Find what the lesson yeah. is, what's the gift? Yeah. All the while, I'm I'm personally in my head. I can't work out what the gift is here.
0: I can't. Okay, if I can be so bold and I know that you trust me and I know that you're not going to take this, I think the gift here is you.
1: I can't take that though. I I see what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. And I know that that's what the silver lining is. Absolutely. But for her...
0: What is it? I I get it. But stay with me here. This is what's coming up for me. Your sister set out with a goal, an absolute intention to protect you. And she put herself in harm's way to protect you. That was her role. She took that on as her role. And she succeeded at doing that, right? Right. And I know that's hard for you. And I know that's like, probably feels like one of the worst things. But I really honestly feel that she wouldn't have had it any other way. And you've turned out to be the person that you are. Stay with me here. You've came along to the beautiful, conscious caring, kind person that you are as a result of what happened to her. And that's why you do what you do. That's why you are the person that you are. It's bittersweet though, right? It definitely is bittersweet. It definitely is. But yeah. it wouldn't have made you the person that you are today had you guys not gone through that.
1: I see that. I hear that. I do. And I feel it. I feel it. I owe her so much. I really do. Because if she hadn't of I don't know who I would be today. I might be in the same place as her, but it doesn't make it better that she's in there, you know? And I guess... Yeah. Yeah.
0: But that's why you have the mission that you have, right?
1: Yeah. You gave me full green light on going real deep, by the way, Michelle. So I appreciate you holding this for me because it's not a fucking skin deep conversation.
0: I don't do skin deep conversations, darling, you know that. (laughs) We get right to the nitty gritty. Thank you for being so open and for trusting me so much with this. I'm really honoured. But I want to get to a place where we can reframe that. That's what you asked me for at the beginning of this conversation, right? Mm -hmm. We need to get to a place where you can see that as being, I'm not going to say completely positive in your life, because it's certainly not. It's never going to be. Where you can get to a place where you're at least comfortable at what your purpose is from that. Yeah? A mission, a vision, is not a place to get to, it's a place to come from. And you're coming from that experience and you want to change the NHS, right? You want to change the help that people who have mental health issues get. Yeah. Your sister has given you that mission and that purpose and that passion that you have behind that to change this freaking world. And you're going to do that. And I know that you're going to help your sister in the process. It's not all lost yet. Definitely
1: not all lost for sure. Yeah, it's not all lost for sure, for sure. There's um, there's a lot of regret. There's a lot of time that has gone by that we can't get back. You know, and all we can do is look forwards. And that's all I have done. Is I or I can't look backwards. I can't. It's um, <sighs> but it has caused this like. Spiritual disruption in me because there's half of me right that is just everything for a reason. (laughs) Look at how great the planet is; everything's awesome. And then there's like tear and the part of me that's ripping apart, going, "But what about this fuckery that's gone on? And now not everything's fucking rainbows." And it doesn't all work out for the best because if it had, she would be out. She would be out. She would be better. It wouldn't be her in a place. It would be them in a fucking jail cell. That guy's out. Both of them are in the public. Both of them are one of which the last I heard reportedly was with a brand new family. That's the world we're in. That's the world we're in. Yeah. And the thing is, we can live in this like rainbow fucking sunshine world, or we can be in the reality and change what needs
0: to be. Do something about it. Exactly that. Yeah. That's what Uh you're doing. And you're using that pain as fuel. If you hadn't have had all of that pain, and I'm not dumbing it down, I know you know I'm not. If you hadn't have had all of that pain, you wouldn't be this passionate, flipping, you know, bull in a china shop. You wouldn't be this person <laughs> driven on a mission, right?
1: Yeah. You would probably just
0: be sunning yourself on the beach in Thailand. <laughs> I only do
1: that on a Sunday. You only do it on a Sunday.
0: <laughs> okay. Wow. Well, that's what Sundays are for. So let's get back to this mission because there's a hell of a lot of pain there. But let's turn this pain around. Tell me a little bit about your mission and let's create it into a huge, passion-driven, positive thing for you.
1: So step one is have the NHS sign off on the care plan. Okay, okay. That's like fundamental. If I can get them on side, I'm winning, right? Even if I don't,
0: it's fine. But if I do, fucking, yeah, what a leg up, okay? Let me just challenge you on something that you keep saying. If they sign off of it, if I can get that done, if, no darling, it's when. When. When that happens. When that happens. So when they sign off on it, when you can get that done, what will that change?
1: So what that will mean is I can have the green light to get Christina out of the hospital. So the reason why I say if, because if they say no, it doesn't fucking matter. I'm still going to take her out and I'm still going to be getting her out of there. Doesn't matter. Fundamentally, what's going to happen if she stays in there, right? Big if, if she stays in there, that's a a negative towards that because it's not going to fucking happen, is she's going to continue being in the NHS care, which means that she'll continue to be drugged up, dosed up and institutionalised throughout her rest of her life. That's a fact. What they've been doing for seven years hasn't worked. Seven years is kind of ample time to see whether or not something's going to work for a human being or not now, I would feel. Something has to change and it's definitely not happening in there. So whether or not they sign off on it, she's getting the fuck out, okay? So what I'm going to be doing is taking her to a place which has got an 85% success rate for changing PTSD, anxiety, and depression. That's crazy high numbers. Now, doing what I've been doing so far and speaking to the people that I'm speaking at the moment, the NHS... haven't just been dicking my sister around it's been a lot of people now I put out an IGTV live and I was saying that about my story I was talking about what I'm doing and I actually said to anyone like if anybody's got any shared experiences please reach out you know I've I've sent people questionnaires actually to do my own research right I've been sending people questionnaires to ask them what have they done for you? How many times did they change your medication? Did they take you into hospital? What did they provide to you? What kind of therapy? How many times did they change your diagnosis? What did they diagnose you with? What kind of medication have they changed you from and to? There's more questions than that, but those are kind of like the main clinchers, yeah. right? Because misdiagnosis is prevalent. Not every therapist is trained in how to diagnose every psychosis and every adaptation. That's a fact. Now, if you go into the wrong place and speak to the wrong lady or gentleman, you will get the wrong diagnosis. Now, there has to be a more streamlined way of doing this. This simply has to be. Technologies have come along leaps and bounds, but the way we diagnose people is still 30 years ago, 20 years ago. Do you know what I mean? It is, yeah. we're stuck. We're so stuck. what's the in plan? Recovery. So the plan is this like I said, let's work on the numbers, you know, let's work on what works statistically proven. Okay. But let's not just piss into the fucking wind. So I'm looking at um, a care plan, which is cultivated from lots of different places. It's kind of cherry picked. I'm making a soup. Okay. I'm making a care plan soup. Okay. So I'm taking a carrot from here, a bit of potato from over there, a bit of like scotch broth from over here, <laughs> <laughs> making just like a lovely little soup from things that are categorically proven, you know, absolutely proven. And some of the treatment that I'm looking at is a culmination of um, Dr. David Nutt's proven um, proven therapies, which is done in Bristol right now. So I'm looking into that, but I have been in cahoots with a uh, Las Vegas clinic they use, um, I'm not going to talk about it too much because I don't want to give out information that I haven't really dove, dove as deep as I'd like to yet. Um, but I'm kind of in cahoots with these people. They've got a new research drug. They're using it to this 85% success rate. But until I have seen it for myself, I'm not going to start promoting it. So yeah. until I seen it for myself physically and I know that it works it's not just bullshit on the internet and bullshit from the guy that owns it I want to see it work for myself so I'm going to go there I'm going to see how it does I'm going to speak to people that are there I'm going to do my own research and once I'm happy that it works I'm going to then see if I can franchise it because that's the conversation that I'm having with the owner of this clinic perfect So I'm going to franchise it, take the treatment over to either Thailand or somewhere else that's a fucking beauty spot in the planet, cultivate this care plan. We have to have online psychotherapists, online life coaches, online nutritionists, but my, my husband's a nutritionist and a PT. So that's fine. He can do the nutrition plan. That's fine. There's a lot of stuff that people have offered for free, which is fantastic. But once we get legs on this and we start to help more people it's going to have to be you're working these are your hours it's not just a i'm donating 16 hours of my day yeah. or whatever i don't care like but we can't have just donation only when it turns into a proper business
0: so the full mission then maria is for you to set up a care center to help other your sister and other people that have been in this position Anyone that's got schizoaffective
1: disorder that have been institutionalized and drugged up to the high end and left for debt? Yes.
0: Amazing. Fuck that.
1: Fuck them. Fuck them for thinking that's a thing they can do because they've been doing it for seven years. Fuck them.
0: Okay. I'm fucking pissed. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so let me just get, I, I want to take you to where this mission can really go. So let's build this out. One centre, what, what's the big mission? I mean, what is the huge vision for where this could actually go? Oh, I always see your face getting excited <laughs> <now>. <laughs> Big mission
1: for where I want this to go. Absolutely, I want the NHS to take it on as standard practice. Right. I want them to take it on as, because we have to
0: evolve. Yep. Fucking hell, come on. But we I'm asking to- you though, is it one centre? Is it a chain of centers? Is it? A, tell me. Yeah. Where so are you going it, with this? It's a chain in the UK. It's
1: also going to be America. I've been talking to somebody in Australia. They love the idea. They've got a charity over there for mental health and they really believe in it. They want to get behind it. Um, my, my, my goal is to not have people left in mental hospitals ever again because... Liz, like looking at it from a financial side of point, if we're going to get capitalist about this, they could be out paying taxes. Why do you want them draining funds in a fucking hospital? Okay. If you're going to be capitalist about it, but to be a humanist, this is not humane. Yeah. It's not humane. And I just don't, I mean, on your iPhone, yeah, how many times have you had a fucking upgrade? Like there's 11.9.11.2, you know, we're on the software update 12 million, right? <laughs> we're not updating our NHS yeah. to, to compensate for the faults, the pitfalls. And the pitfalls are people being dosed up to shut up. That's a fact. There's not just my sister. When I go in to visit people and I speak to them, they're zombified because they, oh. they,
0: have they I've, had, heard, yeah, I've, I've heard many stories and one of the stories that sticks with me the most is Frank Bruno. I was sitting in the audience when he was openly talking about what happened to him when they sectioned him. And because of how big he is and because of how heavy he is and obviously his his physique, his force, they will, they were double dosing him. Uh, yeah they were double dosing him and he said that he can remember he has a dent in his forehead from where every time they gave him the drugs he said his head would just fall forward and hit the table that's how much they were dosing him because they were afraid that he was going to be violent yeah so he that's what he said and he eventually got his lawyers and I can't remember the story but thankfully he had obviously his lawyers and his his people his management that finally got him out otherwise he may have been still there and he was saying that he still has effects from the drugs that they were pumping him full of while he was in there yeah so I I definitely understand it and I understand that it's a huge mission Maria, let me ask you, who do you need to be in order to make this huge, big mission happen?
1: Who do I need to be? Uh, Somebody who doesn't get in her way so much. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm just going to, I mean, I know I can do it. I've set myself my time scales um, of which October is the the month where Christina will be here by, right? Ooh, and then if it October were, is my birthday, uh, are you
0: a Scorpio then? I am a Scorpio. Oh, damn, she is a dangerous woman. <laughs> <laughs> Very
1: dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> so this is the thing. It's October. Twelve weeks. Um, I've said to my sister I've been really strict right because that one one of the pitfalls with the um, care plans inside of the NHS is that it's all non-obligatory right Um, we need to find a way legally speaking where we can make it obligatory for the for the people that are going through this care plan to do it now that's going to be my biggest challenge right so who do I let me challenge you on that why is it going to be your biggest
0: challenge? challenge Uh, human rights. <laughs> so you need somebody or a, a few lawyers that specialize in human rights to get behind your cause and help you push it forward.
1: Yeah, that's absolutely what I need to do for sure. Yeah, I do. And this is the thing we we need to know how we can enforce these things to happen without violating human rights but where it's broken in the NHS is um, there are like three or four things my sister is is you know offered but because of her depressive side of her mania she won't do it and she hasn't been doing right. it you basically just go knock 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 Christina do you want to go do some arts and crafts she will say no and they'll go okay bye. okay Mm. <laughs> so this is because, an issue not the press why the fuck would you want to get out of bed yeah because the, the
0: the type of mission that you've got it's not just about making things happen with the nhs and you know raising the funds and and um you know partnering up with these these um specialists and whatnot part of it is getting the right connections behind you right The people who have the right connections, who have the momentum, make this into a movement, to make this into a a huge deal. Yeah. Okay. So um, you have a pretty big platform, right? Yes, How I do did. you start, not that platform, <laughs> you're so <laughs> cheeky, just <You> start <laughs> looking around our guys to start looking at the platform. <laughs> How do you start utilizing your platform to start reaching the people that need to come on board with this? God, and, the, so and start you are. creating the momentum that you need to make this into a big movement. So
1: I have a... Sp- I fucking love spreadsheets, Michelle. It's oh. one of my favourite things. I do. I'm a self-confessed sheetaholic, um, And I've started to put together a spreadsheet of my little angels. So they're called my little angels and they're people that have offered help um, along the way. Now, I talk about this on Clubhouse. Um, the room I was in just before I came to your room on Sunday. On Sunday. Oh, on Sunday. Yeah, I just, I literally just finished my full on spiel, if you will. Um, and I get direct messages. I've had investors openly offer me investment. I've got yoga instructors. I've got movement therapists. I've got life coaches. I've got, who else have I got? I've got business um, mentors. I've got charity owners um so far the list is like literally just those things I've said so I think it's like eight to ten people but that's just talking about it oh my god the bugs are so big here my love (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) this one just went splat on the laptop there's a sentence I never thought I would hear in a coaching session right (laughs) oh my god the bugs are so big here oh Oh, you're hilarious Okay, you so you know. need some human rights people. You need some lawyers on on the team to get the momentum going, right? Yeah. I'm writing this down. Writing
1: this down. Human rights, absolutely. You're so right. And I didn't even think of that.
0: And um, I actually have a client who specializes in human rights. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: serendipity right
0: there so let's see what we can do
1: oh my god please yes please
0: thank you please um i oh my god yes please there's yes and she's really driven she's actually really driven to help people and she's all about uh sex trafficking and she helps people with immigration and all that kind of stuff so she's really driven to be impactful and to make a difference in the world yeah she would be excellent actually
1: Oh my god, yes. So I will
0: have a I've got a coaching session with her later on today. I'll speak to her. Please, thank you so much. You're so welcome. So what else do you need to put in place? Um uh, um I don't know. I'm so sorry. I'm just so grateful for what you just said. Oh, it's, <laughs> you're so welcome, honestly. I'm I'm behind you a hundred percent. You know I flipping believe in you. Absolutely. And anything I can do to help your mission also, I'm happily put me on your spreadsheet as a little angel.
1: <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely going on my spreadsheet as my angel for sure. There's just it's just been so many years of feeling very alone, you know, and like I won't go into it here. I'd rather go into it when we're not recording, but there's been, it's just been me and my sister trying to fight her battle, you know, for a long, many years. And we've actively had um, certain members of the family not be very helpful, you know. So it's felt really quite alone um, and sometimes even counterproductive. And, you know, I've only started talking about this out loud in the last three weeks, and to have people help even to have you just say what you just said about the human rights thing it's still really crazy that people want to help you know so yeah it means a lot it really does and i just
0: yeah i'm gonna shut up but you but you know that that's what happens though right maria when you start putting your mission out to the world, you start putting it out to the universe, the universe comes and meets you there, right? The universe is like, oh, that's the game she's playing. Let me meet her there. <laughs>
1: yeah, I just you just don't know until it hits you in the face like a ton of bricks. You just
0: don't know it until you try, right? There's probably and, uh, been 100 messages you've ignored or you know you've not seen fully along the way and finally the universe has took a baseball bat and smacked you around the back of the head and said hey wake up now (laughs)
1: it's taken me until I am today years old to realize that you can actually accept help and people can be trusted for sure and it's not easy I've just been powerhousing it like No,
0: don't accept help. Just do it by yourself. But that doesn't help. No, it doesn't help. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna say something. That's very much a Scottish trait. (laughs) Is it? It's very much a Scottish trait, darling. Because I've done it for years. The you know (laughs) the island. The island that doesn't ask anybody and can do everything by yourself. And we were taught that growing up as children in Scotland. To ask for help is shameful. You know, yeah. if you can't do it by yourself, you're not strong enough. You know, stand up for yourself. Don't show any weaknesses. Don't, mm. you know, don't put yourself in a position where somebody else can take advantage. We're taught yeah. these things. Yeah, So, and honestly, for me, it took a long time to start to unpack that and reframe it and make it into a more healthy, healthy thing. And I've really, truly recognized the power of asking for help, you know, it's, uh, and it's amazing what happens when you start vulnerably sharing your mission and sharing your pain, even. The people that come up and say, hey, that really touched me. I want to be involved in that. And we have to keep doing that because unless we keep doing that, we can't show other people that it's good for them to be doing it. It's true. Do
1: you know, like, as I said to you before, you know, part of my coaching, I'm like showing people the silver lining and everything like that. Whilst having this big fucking cloud above me, all I can show is what I've done and I've been able to get myself out of what could have really sent me, sent me spiraling. And it almost did. You know, I ended up in prison. <laughs> I was in jail for dealing drugs and I got into a really bad crowd. I started doing a lot of drugs. I started selling the drugs because I was like, I'm an entrepreneur.
0: This is oh, what trust I'm me, doing. I've been there. I went to prison also. Got mixed up with someone that my brother introduced me to, who was um, got me involved in fraud, and initially didn't really understand what was happening, and yeah, found myself in in jail. Yeah,
1: we're literally living the same life. But honestly, you're Barbara, every time you say something, <laughs> it's
0: like, oh my gosh, we are so alike. Like, our, you could put our stories next to each other and be like
1: who's who's who it's just crazy but like all that you and I can do is teach how we were able to have a smile on our face right
0: how we kept moving forward how we kept healing how we kept getting stronger how we kept we did a room yesterday on clubhouse fall down eight times get back up nine you know and that's all we can do (laughs) We can just keep falling hard and getting back up tougher, right? Learning the lessons and getting back up tougher. And, and you know, as a female and as a Scottish female, that's what we were born to do. That's in our DNA. You cannot remove that.
1: <laughs>
0: you just cannot remove that. And you have come through some of the most unimaginable pain and trauma to be this exceptional, beautiful, kind-hearted, driven person on a mission for something that's freaking bigger than you. And quite frankly, that fascinates the fucking hell out of me because that's the type of person I love So. <laughs> play with right that's the (laughs) type of person that I really like to get behind and you're a beautiful human being there's a lot of between you and I Michelle (laughs) definitely definitely so the next step from here what's next what else
1: Next is get the email back from the NHS. Either get the all clear or have to do it a different way. <laughs> I will not. I hasten to say Why that. Why are you but, waiting for the
0: answer to an email? Have you called them?
1: Um, not yet, but I sent it on Friday. So I'm just going to give them until sort of the, the end of this week and just see okay. how they are. So, so here's, here's the sketch, right? He's got a competition, old old husband in there, um, which he's got in August and another one in October. Now, I cannot let my shit jar his shit, okay? So he needs
0: to be focused
1: for his competition. So he needs whoa, to Whoa, be- whoa, whoa. No,
0: sorry. I'm going to challenge you on that. You just made a really bold statement. You cannot let your shit jar his shit. Yeah. This is not about that, though. This is about something that you're passionate about that that is really important to you. Why would you think that that would distract him from what he needs to do?
1: Um. So whilst he's doing prep, everything's got to be really regulated and on time. So he gets a schedule from his coach. You know, it's it's, it's an athletic schedule. So he's an athlete, comp- competitive athlete, which means that everything has to be by the book and I could really do with him by my side when she's here. So, because it's just for my own mental health. I don't know if I would be okay because her psychosis can be quite aggressive and quite shaming. So if I don't have him to come home to at night and go, baby, she said this, I'm not that, am I? (laughs) Oh, I I see. So you mean...
0: Oh, I, I I picked you up wrong. I was thinking that you were you were wanting to put things on a back burner because he's got to concentrate on his. But that's not the case.
1: No, I just I just needed support. That's all. Yeah. So, like realistically, to get all the ducks in a row, you know, we could probably make it as damn near perfect as it could be from now till October, which is April, May, June, July, August, September, October. So it's seven. Six months, Jesus Christ, come on, maths. Um, six months, you know, six months to put together a care plan, make sure that all the costs are in place, make sure the budget's been covered, get investors on board, yeah. set up potentially the actual clinic ongoing. Once Christina's left, we could take in more clients. Yeah. We could literally be plug and play for when she leaves. We could take on real life, outside, not known to me people. So it's kind of, it's kind of really real, you know. I've got six months to focus on that. It also means that I can have the money to come in, so I can do my work as a as a coach and make sure that I'm getting in the money from that to then put into the fund pot for her, you know? So that's kind of giving me enough time to be able to financially support this crazy wild idea. <laughs> so the right now the budget sheets have been drawn up, and it's looking pretty good, but certainly six months wouldn't be a miss, and it means that I've got my husband by my side. to to not only emotionally protect me, but potentially physically protect me too.
0: Yeah. So you say this crazy wild idea. You know that in order to make amazing things happen, we have to have pretty crazy wild expectations in the first place, right? It doesn't happen with just a shopping list of groceries, right? It, it, it doesn't <laughs> happen like that. We have to have a pretty wild, amazing mission in the first place in order to get the momentum behind it. Yeah. And I always say to my clients, if something excites you, but it also scares you a little bit as well, then you know you're on the right track because that's your intuition telling you behind fear is always desire. And behind desire is always fear, right? So as long as you're really mega hella flipping excited about this and a little bit scared, you're on the right track. So you Shitting
1: make myself. it Shitting myself. Shitting yourself.
0: <laughs> but it's going to get done believe me but that's a really good thing because you know why that's the type of mission that will drive you to keep getting up every day to keep talking to the people that you need to keep talking to to make it happen no matter what to develop the skills that you need the strategy that you need the mindset that you need that's what's going to drive you there when the days feel hard that's what's going to keep you driving towards that purpose that fuel that desire that heart the pain even of what has been is going to keep driving you towards that mission Mm -hmm. so i'm going to ask you again because you kind of body swerved my question
1: oh sorry who Um, do you
0: need to be who do you need to show up as in order to make this happen in the next six months
1: Who do I need to be? Who do I need to be? Okay. Who do I need to be? Is somebody who's got their brain switched on. Someone who shows up every day and does the fucking work. Somebody who is resilient and somebody who allows herself the grace of days where she's not feeling so good. (laughs) You know, it's not not always easy because it's it's a big weight on my shoulders. I will tell you that. And I've done that to myself so I need to show up as somebody that gives herself a little bit of fucking slack because I'm not very good at that
0: but this is a real purpose for you right when you say there's a big weight on my shoulders and I've done this to myself this isn't you just doing this because it's a good thing to do right This is you're doing this because you're driven internally by your heart, by your whole being to make this happen right do
1: you The the emotion is disgusted that it's being allowed to happen. That's the emotion. And that's a really, really strong emotion. And I know that it's not always going to be my driver, but it's certainly the one that's the kindling, right? It's not going to be the massive flame at the end, but it's the kindling. Like the massive flame at the end is the joy from seeing people have a great outcome. But I'm not there yet.
0: Let me ask you this. Why is that the joy at the end? Why is that not the joy all the way through the process?
1: The joy is seeing the people, seeing the people coming out the other side. That's going to be...
0: The, That's the joy, way. but surely you need to have joy every single step of this process. And you can find that joy. That doesn't need to just be in the people that finally, you know, go into the the program can be and every time you bring a really powerful person that can help the momentum move forward that can be every time you 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 know you achieve the next step towards it because the thing about a big mission is yeah it's big and it's scary and whatever but the thing that gets you there is tiny steps upon tiny steps upon tiny steps and it's that consistency So I would say to you that you have to find joy all the way through this. Like you felt joy when I said to you, I know somebody who does human rights and I, you can now put me on your list. You have to find that joy all the way through. I've written it down. (laughs) (laughs) There's
1: going to be my new little mantra. There's going to be my new little mantra. It's, um, it's just you know, NHS is a gift of disgust
0: that just keeps giving
1: though. So you know, but that's a really
0: powerful. <laughs> that's a really powerful emotion to drive you forward though. I would really harness that disgust, that pain, and really harness it as powerfully as you can because it's a powerful driving force. We can be driven by something that excite, excites us but we can be incredibly driven by something that pisses us off and and disgusts us. Anybody who changed anything in the world, Maria, was driven because something pissed them off enough.
1: Had enough.
0: Yeah. You know, there's that old saying, somebody should do something about that. Then I realised I am somebody. You are somebody. Fucking yes. You are somebody. You are fucking awesome. And you're the right person to take this on. And whether you're driven by disgust, excitement, pain, trauma, doesn't matter. Harness that as powerfully as you possibly can and let it drive you all the way.
1: I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I'm literally, my cogs are turning just now. I got off a call just before this podcast with a guy who legitimately, he's going on my little spreadsheet as well. He was like, oh, it's really funny. You should talk about that. One of the girls I know is um, really high up in the NHS. I was like, is she there, there you go. That's exactly
0: is what happens. happens. The more you talk to people, exactly. The more you talk to people, the more you share it on Clubhouse. The more you share it on your social media, the more you get, you know, um, the amazing coverage that you just got in Thrive Global Magazine, huh? Top one of the top ten coaches helping Thrive in twenty twenty one. Come on, that's pretty awesome.
1: It's not bad. I do, I do, I do want to do something um, as soon as possible, which um, is an article on what I'm doing here. You know, like what I'm doing with you right now talking about this movement, right? Um, As much as it's, it's great to talk about me as a coach. And that, then that's fantastic. And, you know, that's, that's means to, you know,
0: getting that kind of coverage. But that's the way that you build the platform so that your voice has more power, right? And like yeah. you say, I know you told me the other day, oh, yeah, that's a really nice thing to have. But it's how you harness that and it's how you use the publicity behind that that's going to help make your mission go further. It's going to help your movement have more of a voice. This is the thing. This is the thing.
1: That you know, there's there's absolutely power in numbers and if I can have bigger traction because of more people are
0: You need to remove apparently. that word from your mouth, lady. I'm not allowing you to say that word if any longer. <laughs> <laughs> <That's true. laughs> it's gone. When, when you have f- greater traction.
1: When? Oh fuck. You,
0: show. you gotta write that on your notepad as well. When, not if. Fuck this F. There's not a best F anymore. <laughs>
1: There's um so I'm a big fan of of science behind why things work, right? Psychologically, if you have a plan B, you're less motivated for plan A. So that's that's why, that's why what you just said is an actual fact. It's not just woo woo it's not just coaching bollocks it's a fact so when you're saying this you're not allowing for the plan B it's a when
0: this plan A happens which means that yep. you'll be there is no plan bollocks. B I gotta tell you whenever I plan something big in my life there's no plan B Patrick said something in a room yesterday um, you can't save your face and your ass at the same time so always save your ass love that there's no plan <laughs> B <laughs> you're going all out in plan a and that's it we're going all out tiny steps every single day until it happens wow but here's the thing as yeah. i said to you earlier a vision is not a place to get to it's a place to come from i do that like, can i write that down too yeah you've already created your vision so show up every single day from today as the person you need to show up as, as if everything's already happened. Who would you be when the centers have happened, when people have come through the program, when people are getting their life back, and you have sex centers, when your sister is healthy, when you're, you, you know, who is that person? Show up as her from today. And I guarantee you, you will see absolute miracles happen absolute miracles show up with that joy show up with that excitement with that energy with that passion with that crazy wild you know thinking when this ha- has all come into fruition there's no plan B you're making this happen I, I see you smiling <laughs> <laughs> well, let I me ask I you we're coming can't. up to the top of the hour now darling let me ask you this you asked me a question at the beginning of this conversation you said you needed that in order to walk away from this conversation with what you wanted can you just tell me did you get that I get my way. I get my way. I get my way.
1: and we've managed I- to
0: reframe that trauma and that pain into the reason why it is, right? Why shitty things happen.
1: You said something that nobody said to me before. What was that? And believe me when, I've, when I tell you this, I've seeked answers a lot. Okay, and this is something that no one has ever said is that Christina wouldn't have wanted it any other way. And I know that to be true. And I've never heard anybody else say that. And if that isn't a fucking reason to crack on, I
0: don't know what is. (laughs) Yeah. She she took care of you. She made sure that you could go on to be the person that you are today. And I know that you will make sure she goes on to be the person that she can be. It's not the end of the road for her.
1: Definitely not.
0: Thank you What's, so much. You're so welcome. What was your biggest insight from today? That. That. <laughs> okay. Definitely, beautifully that
1: is is groundbreaking. Um, I would cry some more, but I have to do an Instagram live in a minute and she's
0: got more makeup. <laughs> I want to ruin um, your makeup.
1: Just know this, Michelle, is I've not heard anybody say that before and it and it it makes the most sense. It makes the, the most sense to the question of why the fuck. Pain, 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 insert explit if, delete if. <laughs> um, and that is just it in a really beautifully
0: succinct nutshell. I know you don't like the the fact that you know people say everything happens for a reason, but I am gonna reframe that for you. If I, ah, no, I hate it. Ah. If that hadn't have happened. You wouldn't be driven to change people's lives the way you want to change your lives right now. And you are going to go on to make something incredible out of all of the pain that you and your sister have suffered. Hold on to that. Okay, gorgeous. Take one to know I'm beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love you, honestly. Thank you so much for being here with me today, and I really, truly cannot thank you enough for being so open and so vulnerable. That's what this podcast is all about. You You, know, you
1: smashed it, Michelle. Like I literally did not have
0: any holds barred, bars (laughs) held. Bar's held, holds no, you None really didn't hold anything back I really appreciate it Thank you so much Thank, Thank you. you I cannot tell you how much I appreciate you
1: Thanks.
0: And I've got to tell you Not that you need to hear this from me But I am so proud of you And I believe in you Like a thousand percent Two thousand percent Five thousand percent And you are not alone anymore I will be By your freaking sight. I got you. Fuck. Don't cry. You're going to mess your makeup up for your Instagram life. (laughs) It's already, Michelle. It's fucked. (laughs) It's fucked already. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, you, darling. Big things are coming. Don't worry. Thank you. I'll see you on the other side. Uh,
1: People are so fucking lucky to get to work with you, dear.
0: Oh, thank (laughs) you.
1: (laughs) I'm a really concrete-walled ice queen sometimes. (laughs) And um, I threw everything that I had at you because I really wanted some, some... resolution and you really did give that so thank you so much
0: thank you beautiful i'm here <laughs> for you always this doesn't have to just be it right
1: we're you're going on my angel list so you know yes. that's. <laughs> <laughs> um okay well i'm gonna connect with you off of this wonderful zoom in this lovely clubhouse um and i'm gonna go do my live
0: yes Probably go do next- your live
1: probably mention you a few times over
0: (laughs) (laughs) thank you (laughs) thank you gorgeous i'll speak to you soon thank you so much for being with me today take care love you love you bye sometimes change can take time and sometimes your thinking changes faster than you can imagine you have been listening to the undeniable leader with Michelle Marguerite Marquez. It wasn't called coaching for most of history. It was called leadership. And it's what I love to do. Coaching people to lead with purpose and challenge people's thinking. If you'd like more of this, please subscribe to the show and follow us. If you'd like to learn more about our community of incredible top performers, go to www.theundeniableleader.co.uk